2: Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Here's Spironi who rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose with space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson. Oh, yes. Back of the Nest.
2: Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling. And tonight, look back at the uh, the match we played. It's full of reviewing the game, chatting rubbish, uh, looking at all the key points, performances, as well as covering an amount of your contact and uh, yeah, we'll be back after this short message.
0: Love our podcasts. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9 pm, 558 5, a.m., DAB Digital Radio, and online, lovesportradio.com.
2: Right, uh, welcome back. Let me introduce my panel before I do anything further. I'm going to start, as I never do this, with Chris Clark. What up, comrade? Oh, here he goes, comrade right <laughs> again. How you doing, mate?
3: Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, had a very fun day yesterday Um, as a guest of the Palace for Life Foundation. Um, So, yeah, prawn sandwich brigade experience for me. Um, and, yeah, I mean, enjoyed the game, obviously, and then headed to the Pawson's afterwards. So, yeah, it, it, yesterday was fun, and hopefully this show's going to be fun too.
2: How did you get to be a guest? <laughs> well, how, why wasn't I a guest? palace for life foundation
3: it happened because i'm a labor councillor locally um and you know i expressed an interest but yeah i, I was invited through that
2: are so you going to share any more about what, what that experience what happened explain I'm, i mean i'm basically you're i'm jealous extremely jealous you, that yeah. you were given yeah <laughs> i am yeah and I mean, I, I get the feeling that I deserve sort of some sort of preferential treatment every week, and it never happens, and you've got it now, and I just want to know what happened and
3: how. Well, so I, I got um, an email from one of the other counsellors, um, who's actually from the other party, um, saying, would I like to be a guest um, of him and the Palace for Life Foundation in the box for Fulham? Um, which, understandably, I jumped at the chance. Um, it will be on my register of interest. Members of the public, don't worry about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I gave my season ticket away um, for no profit to uh, my mate Dave Rogers, who's a Dulwich Hamlet season ticket holder. But they were away this week, so I gave him my ticket, which was fun.
2: Well, there clearly is no quality control in this
3: process, but
2: okay, fair enough. Look, I'm just going to have to live with it. I'm just going to have to live with it.
3: And, I think um, you had to finish the marathon march as well.
2: Oh, I, I knew you were going to say that. I knew oh. that. Honest to God, the like, first like. thing
3: I thought when I said it, when
2: I asked you, was you were going to say it was to do with the marathon march, and I would have got to have gone if I'd made it to the end pub. <laughs> right, that's it. We're moving on. Um, one of the other voices you've you've heard in the background there, Mr. Ed Calloway. Good evening. Good evening. Now, you evening. you have proper news, not like Chris's self-serving news. I do. I um... do.
4: Became a father since I last been on the show, so and one more on the uh, numbers of Palace supporters. Uh, Isabella arrived 17th of January, so already started uh, brainwashing her. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know any nursery rhymes really, so I just sing a repertoire of Palace songs.
2: <laughs> well, exactly.
4: A, well, I mean, it seems to work. She goes to sleep, so. Um, but uh, I think my my brainwashing is working because I caught my wife earlier today who has absolutely zero interest in football. But I went into the room and heard her singing Glad All Over oh. to Isabel. So the brainwashing on both my wife and my daughter is slowly working. I
2: Lovely think. to hear. And obviously, congratulations again on uh, on that wonderful, wonderful event. Thank you. And um, yeah, I'm sure. How's your sleep?
4: Uh, not too bad. bit broken, but she's... She's not too
2: bad in the main, I think. Good. I've heard it only gets worse. So, right. Um, <laughs> no problem. And DR, I mean, so much to talk to you about. DR Kernas. <laughs> what now? I mean, where, <laughs> where do I start? I mean, earlier on, <laughs> earlier on today, you popped a message into the back of the Nest chat. Now, the back of the Nest chat, you know, it's not always the best place to be on our WhatsApp group because there's a lot of topics we talk about. It, it tends to go all over the place. I mean, it drifted into American football yesterday for far too long, um, so much so that I was forced to mute. You know, DR tries to populate with basketball chat, but, you know, and obviously Nick every six or seven minutes puts in a rubbish joke. But generally, you do get some interesting stuff in there. And most of all, roughly every two days, DR puts something that's just baffling. So I'm going to read it to you, DR, and you're going to have to explain it. Oh, okay. (laughs) This is from DR Kerners. This was at 9.34 last night. I just burped after I had Diet Coke and my nose went all... No, it actually says my noise. My noise went all fuzzy. What? (laughs) My nose. WTF, this is why I don't drink it. Drink it. Seemed like the acid went there. Then later on, it just happened again. (laughs) WTF is going on. There's acid in my nose.
5: (laughs) Honestly, look long story short i normally don't drink soft drinks but i was going past like you know the drink section and then i saw like diet coke and it said zero calories so i was like i've had diet coke before but i forgot what it tasted like so i was like let me give it a try so i had diet. so i grabbed it i finished the diet coke um it wasn't that great um but after five five ten minutes like i felt like i had to burp and i burped but the weirdest thing happened like it's you know when you like acid it seemed like the acid went through my nose and my nose started going all fuzzy. And then I burped again five minutes later and the same thing happened. I was so worried. I was like, what's going on? Is something wrong with me? Am I going to pass away? Uh, It's not normal, is it? It's never happened to me ever in my life though. Like when I drink that Coke or something, when I burped, there's acid in my nose.
4: So am I going to pass away? <laughs> <laughs> but
5: that's not normal. Is it? Have, you ever, have you ever drank a soft drink and no. there was like acid feeling in your nose? Like your nose was burning. My nose started like, no, it, was um, felt like it was burning.
2: Let's find out if this is a shared experience. <laughs> Ed, has that ever happened to you? Oh, I can't say I've experienced that. That's what no. I'm saying. No. I've
5: never experienced that as well. It's not like i never drank soft drink in my life. I've, you know, I've well, had
2: different soft drinks, but never ever has this happened before. Well, all, there's only you, you've only had one answer so far. There's two more of us who are going to comment. Um, Chris Clark, have you ever had a, your nose go all fuzzy and get acid in it? No, that's never happened to me. So finally, Dion, well, two, <laughs> two out of three so far, not a shared experience. Um, what do you suspect I might say? No, because it's not normal. No, it isn't normal. No, it, that is correct. And why did it happen to me? <laughs> what you, I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> listen, there's a lesson here, isn't there? When selecting soft drinks, what soft drinks should should you select? Uh, no, it was a test. Is it? It doesn't matter what soft drink I I
5: like drink. Like, I shouldn't have any acid going through my nose. I shouldn't have that feeling. It's. I'm never drinking Coke Zero ever again, or whatever it's called, Diet Coke.
2: L- 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 listen, you know, Dr Pepper. It, it's its tagline is "What's the worst that could happen?" And the answer is never my nose would go all fuzzy and get acid. Well, of so. Well, I've got
5: a 1.5-litre Warby bottle next to me, so for this, uh, I'm, not, I'm not drinking anything else.
2: Thanks, um As ever, you are a, a walking mine of entertainment, and, uh, and and we do appreciate you.
5: I don't to want to. Like, I don't want to be
2: entertainment, though. It just happens. <laughs> I try to avoid it. It just happens. Like, you expect... I'd never thought my nose would start going crazy after I start drinking. Like, it's off. Often- <laughs> Oh, it's just weird. No, no, absolutely not. Okay, before we move on, a couple of things. seems weird to say this after that conversation, but uh, if you're feeling generous, please head over to your chosen podcast app. Give us a five-star rating to help spread the word. Loads of you have done that uh, over the last few weeks, and it's really helped um, helped us reach more people, and that's really the um, the the motivation behind that, because that's why we do it. We want people to hear what we do. Uh, and hopefully enjoy it as well. So that'd be much appreciated. Um, do head over to backofthenest There's loads of articles going up on there. We had a chat in the week with uh, with Chewy, who runs that for us at the moment, and he has done roughly twenty four, twenty five articles at the last count. Uh, I had done one, um, which sort of guilted me into writing another one, which I, I wrote about Wilfred Zaha. Um, yeah, so he uh, we'd written a, we've written a bunch of articles. I was just going to point you in the direction of backthelless.com to check out all our written content. More will be going live this week. And if you haven't read it, give give my wilfred's Aha article a read. It's got a lot of positive responses. And I was very happy with it. And um there's some really great stuff on there as well by some other some other writers and plenty more to come. Um yeah, and we to expand the content as we go. So that's the admin out of the way there. Um up 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 the front of the show as well, just to point you in the direction of the preview show. I was on it last week. Very much enjoyed it and uh, I think uh, Heskiff's back this week, so the the usual lineup of Terence, Albert, and Sam uh, will be taking you through the West Ham preview in midweek. And of course, um, I think it's Dr. and myself will be on Love Sport this week on Tuesday, seven till nine PM with Jake Watson. Yep. Um, and yeah, so tune in, tune in live. Ju- just Google Love Sport, you find out how, how to join the to jo- join the fun live. And the podcast will be out as soon as it's available after that. Right, that's all the admin out of the way. Let's get into the match review.
0: Love our podcast. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9pm, 5, 5 8 am DAB Digital Radio and online. Lovesportradio.com Right, gents, it's match review time. And as
2: always, we'll start with a team selection. Um, I think let's, let's, let's get cards on the table here. Pre- Pre-match, you saw, you know, obviously Koyate was out, replaced by Jeffrey Schlup. I don't think anyone would have said that they were necessarily surprised by that change, but I would guarantee probably all of you, unless you're prepared to lie, would say that you're not. You weren't happy to see that sort of Max Meyer coming into the team, perhaps. And also, um, we saw Christian Benteke coming into the side up the top. Uh, are you drifting to, you know, pushing out to the left um, in? Rep- placing uh, Wilfred Zaha, obviously suspended after the Southampton match. So those were the changes we saw. And obviously Batshuayi being on the bench, as well as uh, the other new signing, Bakary Sako gave him more of an attacking and sort of stronger look to the bench. But let's talk about the decision to start Jeffrey Schlupp. And I'm going to talk to you first, DR, about this. Um, how did you feel before witnessing the match uh, when Schlupp was? In the um, I
5: was not, Shocked, I was just disappointed because I feel like Max Meyer offers more going forward um, in terms of creativity and he's still, I think he's on the same level as Jeffrey Love in terms of defending. So I was, uh, you know, I was disappointed in that aspect, but um, I was not, that's the thing. I feel like Roy, we've gone past the transition um, stage where Max Meyer needs to get used to the Premier League. I think Roy just doesn't rate him um, for whatever reason. I think it's mainly due to his physicality, if I was to guess, um, because you saw yesterday. Um, whereas Jeffrey Schlupp, he was even though he misplaced a couple of passes, he was still strong, and um, what he done against Tottenham showed that as well. Whereas Max hasn't got that, so I think it's mainly due to his physicality, which is going to be hard for Max. But yeah, I was disappointed.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny. I you know I was the same. Um, I, I I felt, you know, you looked at the Southampton game. And I think perhaps when we were looking at replacements for players, I mean, first of all you know, is probably, in all honesty, a slightly more natural replacement for Koyate if you're expecting the same system. But what I found was interesting is it wasn't the same system. We, we very much shifted to a, to a 4-4-2. Um, I certainly wasn't disappointed to see Jordan Ayew start because of the effort he put in against Southampton. He had a very, very good game. And obviously that was, you know, both, both the players that we're talking about, I think that's going to be a bit of a theme this week in the Some much maligned players in, uh, well, I suppose, Benteke, Schlapp and Jordan Ayew were very, very good, were amongst the pick of our players. So I think in terms of looking at the lineup, you know, I, I just reiterate, I was disappointed with that decision. But as it panned out, Roy seems to know a bit more about things than I do.
3: That's interesting, Chris. I have a very different view on Jeffrey Schlupp because, I mean, everyone knows. I think if they've listened to this show before, that I'm you know kind of a Schlupp superfan. You know, partly sarcastically, but also genuinely. And I think we saw the best of what he can do yesterday, in that he you know he ran around um he passed Paul, um ineffectively at times but he ultimately he was in the right positions to have shots and that's you know so for me that answers a, an important question that actually came in from Max Power um through our contacts earlier on is schlapp underrated by palace fans my answer is yes i'll be interested to hear if others agree or disagree
4: uh, I mean with schlapp i don't i don't think he's necessarily underrated I I'm not a massive fan of him, and I think he i think he's a good squad player for us. I was a little bit disappointed, like you chris and d r that it wasn't Max Mayer that came in for Kayate. I thought it's, with the lineup, I thought it was a bit more rather than a four four two bit more of a sort of four four one one with are playing sort of a bit deeper off of benteke, which if that was the case in terms of how I sort of saw it, Schlupp was playing on the left hand side of that midfield and I thought he there was a number of times where he just was drifting inside too often and it left Patrick Van Aanholt quite exposed. And in the first half, a lot of the joy that Fulham got came down that right-hand side when they were able to switch the ball from one side to the other. Um, and their guy sort of playing right midfield, right wing-back, was in a lot of space because he was too high up the pitch for Van Aanholt to go and pick up. Uh, and Schlapp had sort of drifted inside more centrally. I don't know if that's just because that's where he has been playing recently and he was his mindset is to go in that way. But I thought he left us a little bit exposed down the left-hand side and we looked a little bit vulnerable down there.
5: I, I don't think he's um, under, is underrated. It's just uh, him, is he able to do it consistently week in, week out? Because we had a similar problem uh, last season with Wayne Hennessy and Patrick Van Anhoen. I remember... When Patrick Van Aanholt, after the Bristol game, he came back, he had a couple of good games, a couple of bad games, and Wayne Hennessy as well. So um, I don't think Jeffrey Slop is underrated. It's just the fact of, can he do it consistently week in, week out? He hasn't been able to do that um, so far. He has um, one or two good games and then five bad games. It's a bit similar to Patrick Van Aanholt and Wayne Hennessy's situation last season where both of them... Um, Especially after the Bristol game, they they didn't really go any like good run of games or have one good game and then one bad game. So if Jeffrey Schlupp can do it week in, week out, then yes, he can be a good squad player. But I think that's why many fans are frustrated um, of not seeing Max Meyer because Jeffrey Schlupp doesn't. You never know what to expect from Jeffrey Schlupp, and I don't think he should personally start
2: games. It's in, I was listening to Roy's comments after the game um, regarding Jeffrey Schlupp, and he he. Clearly knows what fans are saying and what they're thinking about it because he sort of referenced the fact that he goes, you know, the players that the fans look to every week aren't necessarily the players that the coaching staff feel have the biggest impact. Um, and, and he was suggesting that you know they have a lot of trust in Jeffrey Schlupp as a left back and as a left-sided midfielder and as a left midfielder and as a left midfielder in a three. Um, those were the positions that that Roy picked out as Jeffrey Schlupp's you know strong point. And I think there's a lot of truth in, in the system and in and, and how, you know, how well Shluck plays. I think for me, uh, you know, underrated is, is a difficult word. I think we've all kind of struggled with it a little bit um, because there's an element of truth to that in the fact that any player tends to be written off very quickly after, um, you know, a couple of bad games or some really noticeable points of, you know, er- errors or something like that, where you'll pick up and that'll be how they're defined. Where clearly... You know, all the last season he played a, a very important role in the squad um and this season he's you know he's got four goals now and he he has played well in spells but i think you know the point you made ed of this, the system being a, more of a four four one one um you know i've i've looked at the sort of the average player positions in the stats this week uh my source is who scored.com this week by the way um and you're right you're right in the sense that IU was slightly off benteco benteco was the spearhead but you know, it's interesting to see the average position of Townsend on the right matches the average position of Geoffrey Schlupp on the left. So you actually had, you know, Schlupp's role was much more attacking this week. Uh, and it did leave a bit of a, a hole on the left-hand side of the pitch defensively. And we did see Patrick van Arnhoel exposed quite often on that side. Um, and, you know, he, he tweeted after the game, he didn't feel it had a particularly great game. But bringing it back to Geoffrey to Schlupp, I think the way we played against Fulham that gave him the biggest opportunity to show what he's good at. He got forward many times, was you know got an awful lot of shots off. Um, most of them were blocked, in fairness, but you know the reason he he pops up at the end as well uh, to tuck in uh, from bachelor Ice strike is is simply that we'd we had that fluidity and that flexibility once we made a few changes to to go four three three slash four five one, and it was Schlupp who was pushed forward into the kind of the Zaha role, if you like. Um, And that's why he was able to get in the box and and, and tuck the chance away. So I think the the game was very much made for him yesterday.
3: The other thing, I mean, you're you're quoting stats there, Chris. Um, I've just had a quick look on the BBC website in terms of numbers. And Jeffrey Schlupp's shots on target, 70%, seven out of his 10 shots have been on target. Um, That compares to the highest other one of anyone being Luca, which obviously is going to be significantly penalties and also that worldy, who's got 67. Um, Jimmy Mack, who's got a similar number of shots and obviously has scored a couple of goals. His shots on target is 38, five out of 13. So I I think underrated is a fair word for Jeff. Okay.
2: Okay. Well, I think we've all given our view on that. It's a great question from Max as well. Thanks for that. Um, but like I say, what I, I will say about this is any one of us, and there were a lot of us who before kickoff were thinking, you know, what a terrible choice <laughs> and, um, you know, um, think thinking the worst. I think we were very much proven wrong by the performance of, of Jeffrey Schlup yesterday. And and I'm gl- so happy about that as well. I don't think there's there's any of us who are unhappy when a, when a player gets on the pitch, plays well and proves it's wrong so okay we're still sort of talking around around the lineup and the system here um i mentioned the system that you know it was, it was a sort of 4-4-2 and that went into a 4-5-1 after the the late changes I, i'll ask you this ed are you st- we're starting to see you know a bit of flexibility a bit of almost creativity in the tactical setup under roy in the last few weeks is that something that was we we've been unfair in the past, perhaps on this show, where we've we've said he's too rigid and he doesn't like change and all this kind of stuff. Has he been doing those things anyway, or do you do you suspect that there's been um, you know, a bit of a, a awakening about how best to use his squad and how best to you know about the fact we have may become a little bit too predictable?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, yeah, like you say, we have said that he's a little bit too rigid and it's and there's not always a there's not always a plan B or, or if there is, it comes too late in the game to really affect things. I think. The slight change up yesterday was obviously slightly forced upon him by the fact that Wilf was suspended. Um, so you've got to do something a little bit different. Um, the shape of it surprised me a little bit. I thought it would be the same sort of with the sort of yeah, Benteki and the, the three sort of behind him. And I thought Ayu would sort of almost go like for like for with Wilf and play more out wide. So it was nice to see him playing off the striker. And I think that was yesterday was Ayu's best game in a Palace show. I think he really impressed me yesterday. I don't think he's a leading the line striker. He, he hasn't got the attributes, physical attributes, the size to do it like Benteke or Wickham can do it. But yesterday, what suited him perfectly in that role, it was a bit like uh, Shemak a few years back when he was at his best for us. He can just be really busy in there, a real nuisance for their players. He turned possession over a lot of times yesterday, just robbing it off their deep-lying midfield player, Seri, um, and started attacks for us. So it was nice to see IU in that role yesterday and to see him play as well as he did because I've been a reasonable critic of him since he came yeah. here. <laughs> it hasn't impressed me a great deal, but I think you know we definitely saw the best of him in that position that he played in yesterday.
2: Definitely. And it's funny, the, the impact of competition for places has on players. It, yeah. it just cannot be underestimated. I mean, again, that, you know, I think it's as much a subconscious thing as a conscious thing because, you know, with Wickham, well, okay, he had a knock yesterday, nothing serious, but failed a late fitness test. And, um, so it wasn't selected, but having Benteke start and obviously, you know, Sacco can play up top as well as, as Batshuayi and, you know, and, and IU started, we've got a lot of competition there. And I think IU has definitely risen to that challenge. So, um, yeah, very interested to see. I that. don't think,
5: I don't think it's only competition though. I think after that Wolves game, we've seen a different Ayu Jordan Ayu. He seems more, he seems more confident after scoring a goal. Um, I think competition, of course, plays a part, but just for a striker, you, if you score a goal, you just, you're just buzzing, and then next week you just want to go out there and play again. And I think that's why Ayu has perform has been performing so well because he scored a basic, well, it was a very good touch, um, from Ayu against Wolves, but he scored that nice goal. And then afterwards, it seemed like he's changed. he's just turned the corner
2: so i th- I think you're absolutely right there. um confidence is is probably the the biggest factor in in how well a player plays. Um, you know there's all sorts of other things that we can talk about, but you know I, you're absolutely right, there I certainly didn't mean that um you know this competition for places was the only factor. You're right. he's been a different player since he knocked a couple of goals in. Uh, for sure, but again, the work rate's always been there, and I think again you go back to you know Roy system. Roy's system one has you know has a need for a a forward player to do that level of work, and I think you go back to the struggles that Benteke had last season and and the start of this season prior to injury, where he simply wasn't able or wasn't interested in in doing that amount of work. I thought I found I said we're starting to see you know. Roy, you know, Roy has his favourites for a reason, and we might not always agree with it. And I think, you know, had Mitrovic chucked away, tucked away that early chance in this game, uh, things might have gone differently. We could be having a show where we're bemoaning Roy's favouritism of certain players. But this this week, we get to talk about the positives of that. I think that's that's an interesting interesting point to consider. I have just got a question for you, actually, Chris, uh, on the on the game plan, which is the kind of last bit I want to do on the tactical side of it. So you know we're the yep. we're the home side, but we've noticed. I think all of us have noticed that we struggle to break teams down, and we're much better playing on the break. We, we attempted. Well, again, you might disagree with this, but I feel we attempted to to beat Fulham by giving them the ball and giving them, asking them to take the impetus to come and attack us because you know they needed the points. They're desperate to get a win in that game, so we just thought, well, come and try and break us down because we've got a good shape. We don't concede that many goals. Um, and we'll hit you on the break. And, and I feel that we that very much played into our hands yesterday.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree that would, that was the game plan. I mean, you can see if you look at the possession stats, I think that um, Fulham had, what, 67% possession? But it mostly um despite their best efforts, their efforts actually weren't that much COP. And I mean that that that's partly a product of our solid setup. I thought we would we were well set up in defence yesterday. Um you know Sacco was back to the Sacco who signed for us, and came for us on that loan deal with Allardyce a couple of seasons ago. Um but, you know, going back to the question about the system more Actually, I've completely lost my thread there. <laughs> um, magnificent, right? You so, lost
2: so, so much as good as Ed sitting there with his hand up permanently. <laughs>
3: yeah, sorry, sorry, comrade. Um, right, well, remind me of the question. Oh, it was it was about the fact we were hitting on the break. Um, so yeah, that that was clearly the setup. Um, in terms of selection, I mean, the one thing that I I would have liked to have seen Meyer start too, but I I thought I thought again, Jimmy Mack looked tired. Um, yesterday and that's who I'd have dropped to accommodate um, Meyer Mm. yesterday I I would have liked to have seen him play
2: it's an interesting point again uh, you know he could come under that category of an unsung hero I know you know again neutrals who who, who watch Palace have a tendency to say oh you know MacArthur goes under the radar a bit I think he goes in spells where everyone talks about how important he is but um, again he he is certainly uh, a Roy favourite again that has pros and cons but I think I've noticed a lot of people talk, you know, it's been creeping in where everyone, every week we sort of go, oh, you know, why isn't Max starting? I know Patrick's got a hashtag of free Max Mayer going. And um, I think a lot of, you know, as people start to ask the question, well, hang on a second, what what has he done to make you think that he should be playing every week? Um, you know, from my perspective, you can just see the class, the speed of thought that he has and, and how, look. At me, look at the second goal yesterday. He has he's a bigger part to play in that as anybody. Just you know, perhaps perhaps only M- Mamadou Sakho starting it off with a challenge that he makes and digging in that way can claim you know more of a more of an influence there. But you know, it's just he he is a a, a very tidy, clever football and you need those types of players in your squad I think we're just desperate to see that Um, otherwise you know why would he why would he stay at Crystal Palace to stay on the bench
5: um just quickly going on to Mako um I know Chris mentioned him I think um Mako's really I don't know he's he's a bit like um not like Jeffrey Slup in terms of his style of play but the inconsistency it's like we're not really seeing the Mako we saw previously yesterday simple passes, especially in the first half, you're just misplacing it. And he was he didn't really offer much. But I think it just goes as as you said, um Hambo, Roy just prefers his players. And if, if that wasn't the case, I feel like the competition, um there's there's actually players there that could potentially get inside. And I think like it's damaging us in a way because Mako once again it was it wasn't it wasn't a great game. But next week he'll definitely start. But no one really talk about it because he's really gotten away with it this season.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's true. Look, he he does have a an important role to play, and one of those roles that he does play within the side is is being the an organizer, being one of Roy's voices on the pitch. And again, that shouldn't be underestimated. But I, I agree, I agree with what's been said. I, I think you know if I was looking to to fit Max Mayer into the team, and I and I would be because I think he's a very very good footballer. I think that's probably the route that I would go down. But um, okay, well. That's that's a little look at the the sort of game plan and the tactics and what we thought around the team selection, and um, we'll get into to more about how that panned out in just a moment. But it is that time of the week where we go to Mr. Dr. Kernes for his stat of the week.
0: Dr. Stat of the Week, sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Okay.
5: Even though Vicente Gaita didn't have much to do yesterday, since coming into the starting lineup, he has been very solid. We're averaging two points a match this season when he plays for 90 minutes. Thanks to Patrick O'Connor for that stat.
0: DR stat of the week, sponsored by Dr. Pepper. DR's Stat of the Week has no affiliation with Dr. Pepper. DR was not aware they even still produce Dr. Pepper. He claims that nobody drinks Dr. Pepper, especially people from South London, and that drinking Dr. Pepper is a thing of generations past. This is not the view of Back of the Nest in general. Other soft drinks are available. DR's view should always be taken with a pinch of salt.
5: Put. True or false, the defence looks more comfortable with Vicente Guaita in goal. I'll give it to Hamburg. <laughs>
2: um, I think it's true. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to answer that question by focusing on what Vicente Guaita, sorry, Vicente, I have to pronounce it <laughs> correctly. Uh, Guaita. <laughs> I think what he, what he brings to the team is kind of a sense of urgency in goal. And I hope people know what I mean by that. Because, so first of all, uh, you know, I go back to sort of body language and people might not agree with this, but, you know, I think the statistic of whether it's accurate or not is that, you know, 80% of communication is non-verbal. And I think if you look at how he carries himself um, and how attentive he is to what's going on in front of him, how quick he is to come and claim the ball, you know, he's always talking, he's always, you know, Put pointing and organizing his players around him, so you look at the fact that he went through an entire match yesterday without facing a shot on target, but he was still involved for ninety minutes plus ninety six minutes. I think it was in the end. The guy, the guy is he, when you look at him, he just looks like he's at he's at the game. He's he's involved every single second. He's in that goal whether he's directly doing something or not. And I don't haven't always had that feeling. Um, with a variety of goalkeepers in the past, you know I, I like uh, everything about how he how he keeps goal, and I think he's an incredibly important player for Palace. So I have to give it a, a very big true deal. Uh,
5: but uh, don't you think that credit have, has to go to the coaching staff as well? Because even when Wayne Hennessy was there, we were still keeping clean sheets, and the defence didn't seem that much off the pace. And if you look at majority of our goals, well, not majority, but there's been so many cases that we've conceded goals due to individual errors. And that's mainly due to... I don't think that's mainly due to the goalkeepers. Though. That's mainly due to the individual defenders. What do you think?
2: I, I'd I thought, say it's an interesting point. I'll, I'll let Ed yeah. jump in on this in a sec. I, I do think it's a point worth making. That certainly I would point to Sacco and Tompkins ahead of whichever goalkeeper it is and say that they have a huge helping hand there towards any kind of clean sheet. But I think, the you know, the, the defence is a unit and I think it looks a more comfortable, confident unit with, with Vincente Guaita there.
4: I think just, um, what I was saying about you know, credit to the coach and staff and things, I think, obviously, yes, because, you know, we saw an improvement in Wayne before he's lost his place to Guaita. But also, I think that goes back to what Chris was saying earlier about competition for places. It's no coincidence since, you know, he's, improvement at the start of this season is after Gaeta's come in and he knows that there's a someone else that's really going after that number one spot. But in terms of the back four, I do think he's just, I feel a lot more confident with him in goal. Although, like we say, he didn't face any shots yesterday. Everything he had to come out for and claim was confidently taken, high balls, low balls. Um, and having, No. You know, Football, play football players are said about when you've got a keeper behind you that you have that confidence in that you've got no doubt in your mind when he gives you that shout you can comfortably duck out of the header and he's going to come and claim the cross no issues it does give a back four that much more reassurance um, and i think that's just a nice sort of added a little bit more to what was already a very solid back four but having him before, behind them it just you know that makes it a very sort of solid base for us to build from and It's promising for the rest of the season that he seems to be settling in quite well and uh, a good understanding with Tompkins and Saka.
3: I think the thing that I observed um, relates back to something that Hambo said a short while ago, which is the extent to which Comrade Guaita was communicating with... Um, the defenders and, and asking them to move to the left before he kicked the, the ball out, for example, um, because he was planning to send it down the middle. And so, you know, you wanted the players back in position. I thought that was really notable um, and something that Wayne didn't used to do. Um, may, maybe he's got better at it since, but. Um, the other thing is that I mean his distribution is really really good. He gets the ball into the right place, and for once we actually had someone um, you know who he could target. Because I mean, for a while you've had a goalkeeper trying to play to Jordan Ayew, who, with all due respect, is not a target man. When Wickham came on a few games ago, that changed things. It meant that he'd got someone to play to, and. You know, Benteco was having considerable joy from the attacking ball. So he, yeah, actually, I I think it's a pivotal change for us in terms of the way we can play because it means we're not just dependent on pushing it out to the left to Sacco, who does the diagonal pass that uh, Delaney used to do. Um, So yeah, he looked really good. And the last thing that I will say is, Guaita. His celebration um, when the second goal went in um, at the end was really great. Just watching him jump to his knees and punch the air, he... And that's actually been the photo that's been used by the club um, to promote these 17 minutes of highlights. can't believe there were 17 minutes of highlights from that game. But apparently no,
5: I, I have to disagree with it, um, Chris. Um, I think Vicente Gaeta, the main issue with him is his distribution. Yesterday, there were so many passes, especially from goal kicks, that I noticed that, that fell short and didn't go to Ben Benteke. And whether it was, you know... Um, defenders passing back to him or goal kicks. There was so many situations like that. I think that's one of, that's what I'm really surprised about. I thought Vicente we Gaeta would be a better distributor, so, but maybe yesterday he had an off day, but it was really poor. I expected him to kick more balls to Benteke and there was, at times it was just like, what's going on? Is it a wind? Why can't you just kick it all the way up the pitch? Whereas Wayne Hennessy, we haven't had that situation where he can kick the ball all the way up the pitch. But that's me being harsh, by the way. But yeah, that's the, my only problem with Gaeta is actually his distribution.
4: I think that's makes a fair point. There was a couple of goal kicks yesterday that came up really short. So I don't know what the wind was like down on the pitch. It did look like a couple of them hung up in the wind. But it seemed to me like, he, I mean, Wayne has a massive kick on him, doesn't he? But the play, the players and Benteke and everyone set up as if it was Wayne kicking. And Gaeta even on a good day, when no wind is not going to hit the distances that he's hit. So it looked sort of worse than it was because they were used to you know, Wayne putting it fifteen, twenty yards into the other team's half. So
2: I'm I'm not so sure I agree with either of you, <laughs> to be honest. Um I think that, well, there's been a, certainly a, a couple of moments that Guy has kicked just as long, if not longer, than Wayne. I think I think maybe conditions yesterday were a factor. Um I think, you know, again on distribution I've generally been Im- impressed with, but you know, I did notice yesterday that he was struggling at, at times. So whether it's Maybe because he was out with that injury, and he's you know taking it taking it a bit easier on the calf. I don't know. There was a couple. Uh, whether
4: that didn't even make the halfway line yesterday. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, odd, but um, it's not something I'd noticed before. Um, so I guess we'll see how that one pans out. Okay, great discussion. Then. Enjoyed that, guys. So let's um, let's move on slightly now and sort of talk about the goals. And um, I'll, we'll talk about obviously the penalty first, and yeah, very similar to to the Spurs game where a sort of inexplicable handball but um, I think what's important to note that first of all there was some very good work on the right-hand side between Townsend and wan I think you know MacArthur going over there to help out and getting his head up and just putting a ball in that's what Benteke gives you he gives you a target to aim at you know and, and you know the Benteke that's come back from injury looks a more, lot more likely to, to get into a proper tussle with the defenders and you know, a mistake happened and, and we took advantage of it. And uh, Dr, you noticed something interesting with Mitrovic talking to the keeper about where Luca was going to put the penalty. He was right, but he couldn't stop it, could he?
5: Yeah, um I looked at Mitrovic. He just caught my eye and he was he was near the halfway line and he was just pointing towards the right. He was just like to the goalkeeper, he's going right, he's going right, he's going right. And I was like wait, what's going on here? Because I know they're very close mates. So I was actually scared. And it did go to the right and the goalkeeper did get a little touch, but it managed to go in. So that was a scary moment, but that was just foolish from the Fulham defender. I think Ranieri, even after the game, he said, "Like, what is he doing to his own player? And that's really telling. Imagine your own manager slagging you off. For doing a mistake like that,
2: he did. I think there was some suggestion on the match of the day that he said "stupid." He was saying "stupid foul" when he said "stupid fall," but who knows? I think both (laughs) are true. (laughs) But listen, it was it was good for us to take advantage because I think Roy's comments after the game were absolutely spot on in that we weren't playing particularly well up until that point. But as soon as we got that penalty, we got that extra bit of confidence, uh, and and of course went on to win the game. Um, whereas I think, realistically, up until that point, Fulham have had, had the best chance with the Mitrovic uh, missed header, which, again, Tompkins probably just took his eye off the ball for him to miss that. But it was, a, it was a great moment to go one up. You know what? In the first half, I know the
5: second half was a different story, but in the first half, Fulham did actually play decent. Um, they were passing it really good. Uh, at times I was like, What's going on? Is this Fulham or is it Barcelona? They're just taking the time and passing it forward. But it's just their crosses into the box. I think we got away with it. Um the delivery into the box wasn't that great. But of course in the second half that changed. But you should, you know, we we have to give I've, I I give credit to Fulham for that first half, um, before the goal because they really if their if their delivery was better into the box, the game could have been like different. They could have scored two goals or three goals because is of course a threat. But so, we got away with it. That's how I see it. I
4: think about them in the first half, I mean, for all the possession, obviously Chris mentioned the possession stats earlier, for all the possession they had and passing the ball around, apart from that Mitrovic header at the near post that he probably should have done better with, they didn't create an awful deal, awful awful lot else. I mean, the possession they did have was in areas that we were quite comfortable to let them have the ball and knock it around in there. They didn't seem to have a great deal of ideas other than just try and work an opportunity to get it in the box and hope Mitrovic can get on the end of something. So, for all of their possession and nice passing, there wasn't a great deal of sort of cutting edge about them. So I wasn't, you know, overly panicked by that.
2: Mitrovic no, absolutely bar. right. I th- I think producer Sam said it uh, in one of the chats earlier on that, you know, we never she never seemed worried and I I would go along with that. We never I never felt like Fulham were going to score at any point really, and that's as much. I suppose, a, a condemnation of their setup and the way they were playing, as it is about how well we did. Um, I'm going to very quickly break for a, well, it's a peculiar thing on a podcast. It's a live update of official news. but it, you know, Obviously, it's recorded on a podcast, so it's not a live update. Anyway, uh, Yaroslav Yak, don't talk back, uh, has joined FC Sheriff of Moldova on loan. Or, or I think what? they're also known as Sheriff Teresopol Teresa Pol uh, the end of the season. So um big news there, dealer what are you thinking? And I'm gonna go in a little right
5: here. <laughs> and this yeah, is honestly, no, no, this is what this is what I'm on about. It's just like who scouted Yuck and who scouted Rakip? It just it frustrates me that there's people I hope they're not employed, but I have a feeling that they are. It's just like what do you, what did you see in Yak? He came to our under three like he came he played for under twenty threes, one of the worst players for our under twenty-three at the moment our first team, went to Turkey, one of the worst worst teams in the Turkish first league, played only five games, and now is joining a team called Sheriff. And <laughs> like what I you I know you like you might see something in a player, but
2: what did they see in him? Well, Honestly, let, that, let, that's just frustrating. Let me tell you who scouted Yaroslav or Yarek Yak. It was a guy called Omar Yabrudi who worked, okay, exactly. with, Doug, worked with Dougie Friedman.
5: And uh... well, that's that's what annoys me with Dougie because there was the rumours as well in right. um, the January transfer window. I need to get this off my chest. There was rumours in the January transfer window that Dougie wanted Balassi back and that um, Roy didn't, um, but there was, like we're still trying to go for him. And that's what frustrates me. It's like how much control does Dougie oh. have? And at the end of the day, Roy's still wait, the manager.
2: Wait, 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 wait. So first of all. That's a rumor. Second of all, Roy has all say so on who we actually sign, so it's it's weird to get annoyed about something that you don't know is true, um, which is which is half the problem. But I mean, for, for the record, Yabruini was the one who recommended Balassi to Palace when he was at uh, was at Bristol City, so which was a great signing for three hundred k, wasn't it? Um, well, how can so you go from
5: that to this? Well, like, what? What happened? happened Yak, well, last year there was clearly something there, but what, how did he suggest Yak?
2: So again, what, I guess Yak is a you know he's a development signing, if you like, and I think there's a lot of signings that teams do make for low value. Um, some pan out and some don't. A lot of the time, when it, the problem with with both Rakib and Yak, right, was that the club intended to sign <laughs> other players and didn't, so we got left in a position where the the club were essentially pushing those as our two transfer window signings when realistically <sighs> neither was going to play in the first team one was alone so we could have a look at him and the other was a, a centre-back who you know the scout believes will eventually play to a premier league level but it certainly hasn't panned out like that I think it's really the difficult thing is people are understandably frustrated and you've just demonstrated that you're understandably frustrated about it but it's, it's pure I think it's more about how the players were presented rather than how the players actually are you know, you you're allowed to take a punt on a signing, and it's allowed not to work out. Um, the trouble is, you know, we made it out like they were gonna gonna play in the first team.
4: Yeah, I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head there, Chris. I mean, with Yak, I mean, it's a it's a low risk, potentially high reward signing, isn't it? Because I don't know what we paid for him, not very much in the grand scheme of things. I very much doubt he's on big money, but if he comes good in the terms that Belassi did, and you he turns into a proper Premier League centre half that we have for a few years and we sell on for big money like we did with Balassi. Then it's great. If it doesn't work out, we ship him off again. We've lost, uh, you know, a couple of million quid maybe tops in the grand scheme of things isn't massive amount. So it it was a bit of a gamble but a fairly low low risk one. But like you say it's the way that we didn't sign anyone else and they did. You know, the Twitter's putting out like signing videos and interviews of them like there. Proper first team signings, and then they don't play, or they do play in the under 23s in their pony. That people get annoyed and frustrated that that's what the club have come up with. So
2: yeah, it's I'm like really if you go back, exactly right. you go back a little while and think when we signed, I think Simon Thomas from Boreham Wood. Like, <laughs> we didn't put out a massive signing video about him holding up a scarf and standing in front of the Sellers pitch. And you know, he wasn't like a, a marquee signing, he was a player that joined us. Played for the under twenty got on the bench a couple of times. I think it may, might have even made a first team performance, but it was clear he was someone we got from non league to ever see if, see if he would develop. You think about players like Kwesi Apaya, who's you know he's forged yeah. himself a good career, but you know never really troubled the first team as such. You know you make these signings all the time, and the, the truth is, with development signings, particularly if you if you're going abroad for an established player, and you, or you're picking a sorry for not for a player who's not established, or you're. You know, picking a non-league signing. I think failure rates pretty high on those. I've, I've, you know, let's face it, Yak somehow managed to get two caps for Poland. So, I don't you know, how. <laughs> <laughs> you joined FC Sheriff.
5: I thought that was an American team. I didn't even know. Like, it's uh, what? What is it, FC
2: Sheriff? I've never heard of that. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking though, if he got uh, a couple of caps for Poland, D, I might be worth having a look in your family history, see if you can qualify for I'm Poland. You no, know, what's in? There, what's no, what's
5: the scout's name? Oh my, what? I'm Omar, give him you... a like, him to watch me play football because I might have a chance at Palace as well.
2: <laughs> I'm sure he's had a <laughs> had a look at you when he played at Selhurst a couple of years back, I reckon. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was a small diversion there. So we'll, we'll jump back. We we're in the middle of talking about the goal. let's talking about the penalty. Let's talk about the last goal as well. And that ties into a to a comment from we got from Mike Scott of this very parish, um, who. He the it was the uh, Sacco tackle. He said, how good was that Sacco slide tackle uh, and wan 28 slide tackles he put in there? We'll talk about Aaron Wan-Bissaka in a bit, but it's great to see with that second goal that started off with a proper challenge from Sacco. And I didn't realise until the watching the post-match interviews, excuse me, a little burp there, keep that one in, Sam, um, <laughs> that uh, Sacco was actually ill and didn't train Friday, so basically turned up on match day having not trained. From being in on a Thursday night, and putting a performance like that was absolutely astonishing. He starts the move by putting in a crunching tackle, really perfectly timed, gets up and all, and, and, and swings a foot to knock the ball into centre midfield as well, as a secondary challenge. Then it sort of sets Max Meyer away, lovely control and move. Then we just play a lovely little move on the break, um, ends up on the left-hand side of the box, interchanged with, with Max Meyer and Andros Townsend, find him, Mishi Batchoy off the bench, straight away a, a brilliant impact, lovely fo- little little control, quick feet. Gets a brilliant shot away. It's a good save, good strong hand to it, but super Jeffrey Schlupp is on hand to tuck to, uh, to tuck it away. And it's um, I was actually on the edge of the six yard box. It was called. It was said to be our first goal from inside the six yard box this season, but. I thought it was just outside when I looked at it. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, great finish, great move, um, great goal. And guys, a fitting reward, I think. I think we deserve the 2-0 after that second half display, wouldn't you say, DR?
5: Yeah, I think so. Um, as I was saying in first half, I think Fulham were good um, in terms of passing, but just in the final third, they weren't as effective. Whereas in the second half, they just... They were, I don't know what happened. They were just scared to play football, I guess. They just kept passing it back. But yeah, we played very good in a in the second half um, even though the defenders didn't have much to do when they were called on there's you know Sacco and Tompkins both of them were not 100% fit they still done a decent job that was a brilliant um, tackle from Sacco and I think that's what you pay Sacco for he hasn't mistaken him but then he can do brilliant challenges like that that can lead to goals so that was fantastic to see but what impressed me the most is that Batshuah's footwork and the fact that he's not scared to shoot the way he just controlled the ball and took a shot I think that's that's really promising. I'm excited to see what he can do in in the coming in the coming games because if he can keep that up with um, playing with no fear and shooting when when he wants to basically, that that's going to be really effective for us. I think we can get a couple more goals like Jeffrey Sloth's scored.
4: Yeah, for me, we definitely definitely deserve the two 0 on based on the second half. But it was just a massive feeling of relief for me. Really, it was starting to feel like it could go the way of sort of the Watford game, the Southampton game where we got ourselves ahead, have a few half chances to kill the game off, don't take them and then we get hit with a sucker punch uh, and either, you know, drop points with a draw or, or you know, lose the game. So it was a, a massive relief really when we got that second one. We left it quite late to do it, to kill them off. But, but yeah, like DR says, Batshuayi is very, very encouraging. Little bits we saw of him, lovely bit like the footwork just uh and that's what I think we've lacked from strikers, whether it's been through sort of Benteke's lack of confidence because of his goals drying up before he's injured. You know, he may be there or one of the other you know, players maybe there would have been trying to look to lay someone off from, for someone else to have a shot. But you can see Batshuar, you know, he's a proper striker and all he wants to do is try and get that half a yard, half a turn and instinctively knowing where the goal is, just wants to pull the trigger and get his shot off. Um, and that's obviously what led to the sort of little tap-in for Schlupp to, really kill Fulham off.
3: It was fantastic that we had such options on the bench because, you know, I mean, being able to bring someone like Batshuayi on and see see the difference that he made, have it, having Meyer and being able to bring him on, you know, I mean, Roy obviously, you know, did it, did it a little bit later than some of us might have liked. But um, I think the interesting contrast with the Southampton game where the changes were too late these changes came at the right time and they were the right changes. So, you know, you have to congratulate Roy for that. And then just specifically on the goal, um, I was listening to five live earlier on and they were talking about, um, the number of Raheem Sterling's goals that are you know, relatively simple tap-ins. Um, but you know, you don't have to demonstrate virtuoso, virtuoso skills with every goal that you score. It's so much of it is about positioning. Um, the fantastic shot from Batshuayi gives us real should give us some real confidence about you know the impact that he can have in his time with with our club but also just the fact that Schlup was in that position as he had been on a couple of other previous occasions where he'd actually had a shot so many of our players haven't done that this season and this is hopefully a turning point that we can just have the confidence and have a go because you know it worked out for us yesterday
2: well we're talking about uh, Mishi Batshuayi and we got a comment in, earlier in uh, the week from uh, Charles Meyer who says um, uh, he says we we uh, I, I love Wilf but we look more balanced without him um, should we sell him for the he's put 60 to 70 million dollars so I can't do the, the conversion but that seems low um, and use that money to buy Mishi uh, and perhaps another one or two players you know, Wilf can perhaps play for a club playing in the Champions League and we can get stronger overall thoughts um I, I, I'm always troubled by the idea of selling wealth um, and I'm more troubled now because so many people seem to be getting on his back and that's a little bit what the, the article I wrote on the uh, back of the nestcoms about it's about you know you you're it's all right to question and to, to criticize form but you know you really shouldn't be running down a player who's done that much for this club you should be showing a bit more respect than, than I believe people are it, it seems the attitude from a lot of fans in the you know, in our Premier League days is you're only as good as your last game Um, and nothing before that counts, which I think is pretty harsh. However, I think there's a really good point being made there. And it might be that this summer we come to the point of it's the right time for Wilf to to try something different and move on and play for a bigger club surrounded by better players and just see how good he really is. Um, And I suppose from our perspective, it's nice to see us cope without him. Again, i Without being too disrespectful to respectful to Fulham, it is it is Fulham and they've struggled all season. You know, how you know, there's so many games where we've looked to Wilf to, to lead the line and, and be our best player and get us points where we've played better teams. And I and I think that's where we would miss him. But having said that, if we get a decent sum of money, accepting we have to give a fair chunk of it to Man United, um, and we can go and get players in great i think there's a chance chance to to keep the club nice and strong but whatever happens if wilf goes you know i believe we're a weaker we're a weaker club without him uh, I, and that'll always be in my opinion
5: i see i see um that not it's going to sound weird but as like the dream scenario if wilf does leave um 60 to 70 million for wilf is a good amount of money just like 30 million for uh, was for palassi uh, as much as we love him if an offer like that comes, we can't really reject it because he is, you know, he's not. He, that's that's the best you'll get for him. I doubt will another team will pay that in the future. So I think in summer, if a scenario like this does happen and a club does come for sixty million, um, I think it'll be good if Wilf moves on uh, for him. I wanted to see him go abroad to a club like Dortmund, play play in the Champions League. And um, that'll help him in that way. He can push on for, for, with his career. And as you said, Hambo, that's a, that's a lot of money, and we can push on with the club as well by using that money. But in terms of getting Michi, I wouldn't get as you. Said, I wouldn't get too ahead of myself right now. Um, yeah, because we've only seen how many like twenty minutes, fifteen minutes of him. Like I know it was good, but we have to see what he does for the rest of the season and then we can decide but I see that as like the dream scenario when he does when he does leave us 60 70 million and then reinvest it but I wanted to go abroad to a Champions League club
2: yeah wise words on the on the Bachelorette situation we don't we don't know long term what what he would bring to Palace I do get that feeling I think everyone seems to have been saying the same thing that he just seems like a, a character that's going to just gonna fit in at Palace, you know. It's interesting to to note that Chelsea refused to loan him to Spurs and kind of insisted that he went to us, which I think perhaps there's a good relationship being built there, particularly from last season with how well Loftus cheek progressed at Palace and how well he was looked after. Um I think that it was obviously nice to have a good relationship going on there. Um, I think Chelsea will want a lot of money for him. And the better he does with us, unfortunately, the more money that will be. But it's a good question. And I think, yeah, it's it's all hypothetical at this moment in time. But again, I I just reiterate, you don't want to lose your best players. But if it has to happen, you know, that's exactly the type of thing you've got to do. If you're going to get a large sum of money for Wilfred Zaha, you've got to go out and spend it straight away and try and plug that that gap, try and create something different within your squad that covers what you lose. Um, Let's hope not, but um, you can see it happening, can't you? So anyway, yeah, great question there. And I want to talk about a few player performances before we finish as well. And I'm going to start with Aaron Wan-Bissaka getting an awful lot of praise and again linked in the press with a a big money move to Man City in the summer. Uh, The value put to him so far has been £30 million. The club have said, (laughs) you know, great. Sorry. Great, I'm glad that... What are you laughing at? (laughs) £30 million for Wan-Bissaka?
5: Like, I don't want to swear, but are are you taking a piss? (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. sorry, what? All right. Anyway, it continues. That just that's, <laughs> that's
2: thanks, still. Yeah. But that's that's the value they assigned to him in in the press, uh, the, and that's apparently what uh, what Man City want. Um, I don't doubt for a single second that Man City are interested, or any club that's looking for a right back in the Premier League and abroad will probably be interested because he is a special special player. Roy was effusive in his praise once again. Uh, said that um, he had a great game, and he was relieved in the ninety-fourth minute when he uh, made a mistake because he, he, you know he thought he was a robot, which uh, which amused me, and uh, something I've, I've said before as well. So, look, he's getting all the plaudits, and rightly so. His statistics are absolutely outrageous every week. We see it, and um, also now the stories are, are clear that England are watching him very very closely. Southgate has watched him three games in a row, I think it is now. Um, and this, the suggestion is he's very, very close to an England call-up and not just a call-up to the squad. He's very close to being the starting right-back by all accounts. What do you think of that, deal?
5: Yeah, I think he's deserved. Carl um, Walker, he's been a bit too inconsistent. and um, Kieran Trippier, well, we saw him against us when he played for Tottenham. He was really bad. He's gone a bit downhill. His form isn't that great. So I think it's well-deserved. But Wambaaka um th- when I was just uh, answering charles, charles um Charles's question about Wilf moving on, I think the reason why it is a um right time for him if he does move on is because we've got another f- a talent in our team such a Wan-Bissaka, who can attract players so it won't be as damaging for us whereas if we didn't have Wan-Bissaka, then there isn't a star there um you know a future talent there that would attract players to come so yeah Wan-Bissaka, another great game and he he deserves to start for England and I won't be surprised if he does um, when the next self-international breaks come along.
2: Absolutely. Well, gents, we've talked about a few of the other performances. Geoffrey Schlupp, an excellent game. Jordan, are you too? I mentioned Sacco. Anybody else we want to talk about or anything more that you want to add to uh, add to those? Now is the time before we get into some listener questions. Chris-
5: D, it's you again. you again. Christian Benteke. Um, yesterday, you saw that oh, bicycle kick attempt, and that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. may s- seem small to most people, but I look at the bigger picture and I see someone who's come back from injury and his confidence has come back again. Before his injury, teke too many extra touches, um, and he was a striker that wasn't willing to shoot, which sounds weird now, but he really wasn't. He was just he didn't. He seemed like he didn't want to shoot. And yesterday, you just see that bicycle kick. Kick attempt he seems like a new player and all game long I think even Roy said it he got a little bit of a cramp so he had to come off but if he didn't like if he didn't have that cramp you could play for 90 minutes and you know be great he was he was fantastic when he was on the pitch and the future's looking bright if he can keep that up.
3: Can't disagree there that, about Benteke the person I wanted to pick out was Van Arnholt and um, who I mean you quoted earlier on Hambo that Um, He himself said that he didn't feel he'd had the best game. Now, that actually could, as others have said, be because Schlupp wasn't providing the cover. But, I mean, it's something that we've picked out a number of weeks in a row that he doesn't look right at the moment. And, I mean, it may even be that, you know, given that Schlupp can play left-back, maybe that's the opportunity to move him back there um, because Coyote will be back soon, hopefully. Um, So that, that would enable one of the changes that needs to happen. Um, The other one, I mean, we talked a little bit about um, MacArthur. He's not been um, at his best over the last few weeks. So, you know, maybe Max for, for him in due course. But the last one is Tompkins, who had a really strong game at the back. I thought, I mean, you know, didn't and also took a massive blow to the face, which he was he was down with that injury for quite a while. And that's the second game in a row that he's taken that. He's often been accused by Palace fans of being, quote, made of glass. Well, you know, I mean, he showed his toughness in that and still continuing to finish the game. So well done to James Tomo.
2: Yeah, he certainly hasn't missed that many games either. I, you know, again, he certainly when he joined us, he was a little injury prone, you know, in and out of the side. With injury, But I think that's kind of been put to one side of late. And like you say, playing through injuries now rather than being kept out with them. There's possibly an element of luck to that or maybe some decent coaching um, in terms of the fitness coaching side of things. So who knows? Who knows really? But two good mentions there. I'll come to you in a second. I just wanted to quickly mention we were talking about MacArthur and also talking about PVA on the left-hand side there, well, it's very noticeable in the the sort of average player position section that MacArthur was the deepest of the central midfielders. But weirdly, the, the central midfielders kind of, you know, MacArthur and, and Milivojevic, you know, were very much st- stuck in the middle. So, But MacArthur drifting over to the right and giving that extra cover over there. But Luca more often than not, not providing that additional cover. because And Schlupp was way up the field in terms of his average position there. So I think there's definitely some truth to what you were saying, Chris. But um, going back to... I just want to go back very, very quickly to the Benteke chance and the Benteke performance. We didn't talk about it as, earlier on, and, and I really did mean to. If that overhead kick goes in, my God,
5: you know, that, best that's... Guapalapa ever. Like that's it. Yeah. Like, he wins Guapalapas um, Season Award. Like that's it. You like, yeah. You can't, you can't top that.
2: that was... and, and Ed, we've seen, we've seen Benteke do that for Liverpool against Man United. That's you know quite a famous goal of his. Um, the Benteke last season would never have attempted that. So that you know, it's pretty much what Dr was saying. Are we looking at you know that layoff done, done Benteke a world of good, and he maybe be the striker he was.
4: Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm really hoping so. He did look like the sort of Benteke of old, you know, bullying defenders a bit yesterday. That's what led to the penalty. I think their guy is trying to sort of use his arms to sort of lever himself up on Benteke, but Benteke's is too strong and the guy's sort of arm is left prone in the air for the ball to hit it. So, yeah, I mean, and if that had gone in, not only for, you know, DR to do a lap or whatever he calls it, but just the confidence <laughs> that that would have... Given Benteke going forward just would have been huge, I think, and just would have, you know, bought him a bit of time, even with his fiercest uh, critics around the ground. But, yeah, very promising signs from him yesterday. And as the fitness and the sharpness comes back over the next few weeks, hopefully, we see the sort of the Ben Benteke of, of old um, that we signed and that we saw in his first season with us.
2: Absolutely. Um, okay, well, we'll end by doing a, a couple of the re- remaining questions that we've got left. Um, I'll, I'll start with this one, which was from Cameron, who says, "Will Batshuayi or Benteke become the first choice, um, assuming Roy sticks with one up top?" Um, I think that's the big assumption. Honestly, I think we'll, we'll see we'll see a rotation of that player, and I think it's weird at the moment. As much as it sounds ridiculous to say it, you know, Jordan Ayu's kind of played himself into into contention there as well, uh, with a couple of really strong games in a row. And um I think for me the best the kind of best solution there is maybe both. You know, if you if you think about the fact that Roy, as much as we've been playing this 4 3 3 of late, he does still favour a four four two. We do still have the players that will be able to do that. I think maybe this signing will enable him to to play both together. But I think we'll see a real mix depending on opponents throughout the course of the season. I have little doubt that they'll all get game time. What I would say was, was a bit of caution around Benteke is I know we DR sort of mentioned it, the fact that he got cramped and all that. Well Roy was saying that the medical staff said no more than forty five minutes for, for Benteke. And we played him for nearly seventy, I think. And um, he was kind of he was sort of laughing about that. But you know, it does show you that there's potentially still an injury there because of the long layoff, He, he might be prone for, for further injury if we're not careful. So I think we'll need the full squad. So Ed, Ed, you've got your hand up. You? You're, you're on mute.
4: I'm on mute, yeah. What an yeah. idiot. Um, <laughs> as far as Michi and Benteke go, I think, um, like you said, it's going to depend on who we're playing, whether we're home and away. Um in terms of that, but if we yeah, I mean if we can't get four four two, they obviously they've played I don't know how many times they've played for the national team together. Whether there's you know potential for uh, if we do go four four two for quite an exciting strike partnership to develop, there could be very interesting towards mm. the back end of the season.
2: Definitely former roommates for Belgium apparently, so uh, they obviously must be must be friends. So it could be a very interesting partnership. You're mm. right. Okay, a uh, couple more questions there. Um, I'll take this one. Palace Ash. Is Kobay still an option? Do we need more depth in midfield? Don't know. Um I believe I believe his agent was looking for a for a club for him. i I think we, with Yak going out, we might have a space in the twenty five. I'm not a hundred percent certain in that. Um it's a possibility. DR, you seem to want to speak yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah.
5: I don't think um Kibai will be an option now that Reader world has said. I think if Reader World did leave um, yes, it could be an option because that's why I I think we'll link with James McCarthy. But now that Reader World has stayed, I doubt that we'll get goodbye.
2: Sorry, I was reading a message from Chris there. Uh, yes, Chris, we can do that in a bit. Ooh, <laughs> no, I'll just um, finish the last. I'm going to ask you a question, Chris. Um, I, I, I didn't really notice this, but Mr. Capri's parrot has got in touch and said, the ref wasn't incompetent. He was biased beyond belief. I've no idea why or really care why. What did you guys think?
3: you know that I'm usually the biggest moaner about the standard of refereeing. Um, I actually found myself praising a couple of the decisions that he made. Like he, he, he played an advantage, um, that he didn't actually have to allow, you know, but, he he let play carry on um the move petered out and then he g- gave the free kick so i i was actually quite impressed with large parts of the performance yesterday and you know i mean I, i'm someone who has called for you know the, this very same referee to be um dealt with for <laughs> corruption or uh, incompetence or both but in this case um you know i i thought he had an alright game to be honest
2: yeah, I, it's a weird one. I, I've got no real recollection of him doing anything terrible, but I guess I think anything compared to what we saw against Southampton is I probably good. the of
3: the bookings, wasn't it? Because um, um, IU got booked for um, accidentally treading on the player who'd gone over someone else had tackled him. Um, and then a few minutes later, someone did something very, very similar uh, to us, and it wasn't given. So that one... Yeah, there, there was a question mark there, and I remember moaning about that. But that's the only thing. And previously, I know I'd been talking to the bloke next to me about how I was surprisingly impressed.
5: Trust me, if we did lose that game, um, right now this pod will be forty-five minutes long talking about referees because he didn't have that much of a great <laughs> game. But yeah, um, I don't referees in in the Premier League. I, I can't stand them anymore after what happened Zaha against Southampton. But let's not go into that now.
2: Oh. Uh... No, I know. Imagine, you know, just, especially you saw Ashley yeah, Barnes the other weekend, it. and yeah.
5: he just Ashley Barnes. That's
2: it. Think, surely something will happen there. Someone pointed out today that just really wound me up about uh, earlier in the season when the FA decided to take no action against Pogba for applauding a referee after being sent off. And you're like, all oh, right, okay, so we're going to get consistency there. Anyway, you're right. We could go on forever with that, so we won't. Um, Chris has reminded me to to mention um, something we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and we had, um, had the guys on the Love Sports Show, and that is the walk and talk that Paul Price, uh, Palace fan, did with uh, Lee Adams, who's a Fulham fan, uh, to raise awareness for Calm, the, cam- the campaign against living mes- miserably, and um, the website for them is thecalmzone.net. Uh, it's the, the, the you know their motivation, as we talked about on, on the on the Love Sports Show, was specifically uh, male suicide it's a subject that doesn't get talked about a lot um, and it's you know it's, it's much more prevalent than people perhaps realize and it's a very serious serious issue and also general mental health, health issues and the message being that you know it, the important thing is to talk about these things uh, be open and you know problem shared is a problem halved all that kind of stuff but do check out the um, calm for further information on that chris
3: well said chris i mean i i uh, had the pleasure of having a nice chat with paul in the pearson's arms after the game and he was absolutely buzzing with the level of support um in the box the foundation trust were talking about what a great job paul had done and um, they had 70 people on that walk i'm told so you know really really impressive numbers and, and an initiative that I, th- I think there will probably be more of in the years to come so you know well done paul really important and yeah it's it's a, yeah, I was really impressed with that.
2: Yeah, definitely. I can't, I can't you know, give more respect to those guys, and, and they deserve it. They are, you know, everybody who got involved now—all in seventy—just um, a magnificent thing. Like I say, they—they—they weren't looking to raise money, although they're, you know, quite happy if people want to go and donate to the various causes around. But it, it's more about awareness, and if you know, really, you know, said to me, if if any of this reaches one person, and that one person decides, you know what. I'm going to go and get help. Um, then it's all worth it. So if you if you are affected by any mental health issues, you know you, you're affected by any kind of depression or anything like that. You know there is help out there for you. Please, you know, do seek it out, and also look out for other people as well, because there's always signs. There's always something. You know, if, if you're spending time with someone, at, you know, possibly spend time with someone at football. It's a, it's an outlet for a lot of us where we go and let our frustration out on um, some guys kicking a ball around. For 90 minutes and i think it, it, you know you'll you'll know if someone's not quite themselves or you'll know if you know when you hear the things that they're saying and you know you really listen to people you can actually spot the signs and, and maybe help do something to help them you know and and the thing to do is you know not just you, you know you've got to be there as a as someone who can obviously listen to them and listen to their concerns but you remember you're not a professional the real thing to do is to to really, Give them that that sort of encouragement and freedom to go out and, and get proper help if they are feeling feeling that way. It's uh yeah. It's awareness is the most important part of this message. So you know, hopefully that that helps in some small way. Anyway, bit of, I know it's a bit of a heavy tone to end the show on, but um, I hopefully very worthwhile for you. So thank you to everybody who got in touch with us this week and helped us shape this show. Thanks to Sam for producing. She's got an awful lot of editing to do on this one. Um, and cheers to my panel and that's that's dr chris and ed and uh yeah so obviously we do three shows a week we've got this one usually done on a sunday released for for monday morning You've got the preview show, usually recorded around Wednesday or Thursday, and out soon after. And of course, the Love Sports show, which is live on Tuesday night, 7 to 9 pm, and comes out as a podcast within a couple of days of that. So please subscribe wherever, wherever your chosen app is so you don't miss a thing. And join us again next week. Thank you. Bye.